the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Portions of the Arthur Idala Power Hour, sponsored by Hempleaf. We won't put anything on your body that you wouldn't put in your body. This hour of programming is pre-recorded. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go-to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high-profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. We are. We are all started up on June 28th, Wednesday, June the 28th. Here we are in New York City sitting at my desk. It was an active day here. Started early being a lawyer um, and been a lawyer all day long until we just jumped on this microphone. It's a very special day um, in my life, but in someone else's life, too. Sam Bellino, who's not here today? Hmm, I would, uh, because it's so quiet, I would have to think Joan is not here. And why is Joan not here today? I would say she's not here because she's celebrating something that Stevie Wonder would love to sing. And is this someone else have a birthday today? Yeah. No, that's what it's special for me. Without that man being born today, I wouldn't be here today. So I'm going to give you guys a little heads up. We have a a special show today. We're going to actually, usually we have four segments. We're only going to have three segments today. Um, so one of them, we're going you know, to stretch the commercials a little bit here and there. I have um, NYPD Chief um, Michael Kemper coming on. He's Chief of Transit. And I'm going to tell you why. Um, the reason why is, well, first of all, he's not the easiest guy to get because he's so busy. And I've wanted him on. But because of what kind of what took place last night and word around the street. And then the, 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 it's a big subway day today. Uh, crime in the subway day. Let me just start off by saying last night, I want to thank my friend Sant Chotwell. Uh, we went to, a group of us went to um, the Lambs Club on 44th Street between 6th and 7th. If you have not been there, it is a New York City institution. It is spectacular. It is, it's, a, it's a special place. It's like, you don't just say, oh, let's grab a burger and go to the Lambs Club. No, it's it's a celebratory kind of environment, really, but it's it's a place you don't forget. The food, the service, the ambiance, it's a it's been there forever. It was totally redone about twenty years ago. No, not not quite twenty, maybe fifteen years ago. It's beautiful, but it's old world New York. It's really a, a New York institution. And thanks to Sound Chotwell, it is not one of those places that went under uh during the uh, the COVID. So uh we went there and then we went to go see a great show. Um I, I would recommend it in terms of the, the entertainment and the performers. It's called N and Juliet. So it's like Romeo and Juliet, but they eliminated the Romeo part. And it has a interesting twist to the whole 
story. It's all modern day music, music you would hear on Z100 today, incorporated into the um, into the storyline. So it's not. It doesn't have its own score. Its score is the singers there singing Katy Perry songs and Pink songs and Taylor Swift songs, Maroon Five songs. Um, the, the one of the boys' bands. I don't know which one it was. So, but it was very very good. Um, I, I recommend it. I, I I can't recommend the Lambs Club's Lambs Club highly enough. So if you're thinking, oh, I have to take someone out for their birthday or their anniversary or graduation or whatever it is, go to the Lambs Club. It's 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 not inexpensive, but you do not feel you feel like you got your money's worth uh, on, on every single level. Um, I can't wait to go back to the Lambs Club, and I will tell you. And I said this to someone today. If I was told tonight I'm going back to see and Juliet. Uh, I would not be disappointed either because it's that kind of a show that it's it's very entertaining. You're never looking at your watch. Let's put it that way. But as we're leaving, um, it was a little bit drizzly. It's dark. You're in the middle of, you know, Broadway and you got to catch a cab or you, you got to get home. And, you know, I recommended like, why, why don't you jump on the subway? And I got looked at like I was out of my mind. Um, and that's why we have Chief Kemper coming up from the NYPD. Uh, he's the chief of transit. So he is the NYPD officer uh, or official, I should say, who really is going to tell us exactly what's going on. Because, you know, obviously the horror stories make the, t- the front of the headlines, right? That's what's on the cover. Uh, it's always that way. Look, when, when Lawrence Taylor got arrested, he, he was on the cover of all the newspapers. And then when I got him this insane deal where he got a misdemeanor and no jail or anything, he, you know, it was on page 36 between the obituaries and the PC Richards ads. It's just the way we, we operate. So hopefully he's going to give us some, some accurate and valuable news regarding the subways. Um, Penny, the uh, defendant from Manhattan who choked the guy and um, uh, did not testify in the grand jury he uh, went into court today, and he was arraigned on the indictment, and he pled not guilty. But the case from Brooklyn of the guy who uh, who stabbed the assailant, um, let's just see, hold on, I want to make sure I, I can, this is in Brooklyn, so that case went into the grand jury. The Big Apple strap hanger charged with stabbing a rowdy ex-con to death on a Brooklyn J train was found to have acted in self-defense leading to his manslaughter case being dismissed today. Um, The grand jury declined to indict the 20-year-old Jordan Williams, who had been charged with manslaughter and criminal possession of a weapon in the June 13th melee that left Mr. Odorago dead. Um, His self-defense claim was bolstered by video footage presented to the grand jury, which allegedly showed the deceased choking Williams and slugging him and his girlfriend before Williams stabbed him, according to law enforcement sources. So it's interesting. You have similar scenarios in different boroughs. One borough charges the guy with the man to manslaughter in the second degree. The other borough uh, does not. Um, Eric Gonzalez, my friend, I have to say, says our office conducted an impartial and thorough investigation of this tragic case, which included review of multiple videos and interviews with all available witnesses. And the evidence was fairly presented to a grand jury. Today, the charges against Jordan Williams have been dismissed. So, you know what? It's just amazing. Well, you're on one side of the Brooklyn Bridge or the Manhattan Bridge and there's one outcome on the other. You know, it's another. At the same day that those charges get dismissed, Daniel Penny in the Manhattan case uh, is arraigned and pleads not guilty. He has uh, those great lawyers, Tom Kniff and um, Steve Reiser. So that's where we are. 
Um, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back. You want to know what's going on in the subway? You want to know about crime on the subway? Oh, yes, we hear and read about these headline-grabbing cases, but we're going to hear from the man who's in charge of monitoring the crime and fighting crime on the subway. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Summer is not just about fun in the sun. It's also a great time to get healthy. Focus on your wellness and your brain with our new memory multivitamin. Energize your skin this summer with our enhanced vitamin C skin serum. The Invite Health Buy One Get One Free Independence Day Savings Event is on now. Buy any Invite Health product at suggested retail and get the second bottle free. Stop by an Invite Health store today to learn more about how to stay healthy with the help from one of our nutrition experts. Give us a call to order by phone right now at 800-673-2345. That's 800-673-2345. Listen to past shows and informative podcasts all at invitehealth.com. Visit invitehealth.com for our retail locations and to set up a free nutritional consultation in person by phone or by video. Take advantage of Invite's limited time, buy one, get one free Independence Day savings event. Contact Invite at 800-673-2345. That number again, 800-673-2345. Or go to invitehealth.com. $1,000. That's how much you can get when you trade in your owned or leased vehicle and purchase your next car with Bay Ridge Honda. They've been your family-owned and operated dealer for over 60 years. Your Honda dealer serving the five boroughs. Brooklyn, Manhattan, Staten Island, Queens, the Bronx, they all choose Bay Ridge Honda for their quality and their service. Browse from over 150 new Honda vehicles and over 80 certified pre-owned vehicles backed by the Honda True program at their 2022 President's Award winning dealership. Right now, get 0% APR financing and zero down payment on select Honda models all month long. Plus, what I was talking about, receive $1,000 when you turn in your owned vehicle or your leased vehicle and purchase your next car with them. Even if you don't buy from them, they want your car. Visit them at 4th Avenue and 88th Street in beautiful Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, or online at BayRidgeHonda.com. That's BayRidgeHonda.com. Available to qualified buyers. Additional fees may apply. See dealer for details and 630-2023. Are you paying too much for term life insurance? Term Busters, a Christian-owned company, can help. There's a tremendous price war in the term life industry. Rates have dropped dramatically in the past few years. For example, a man age 45, non-smoker, $1 million of coverage, $75 per month level rate for 10 years. Or a man age 50, non-smoker, can obtain $500,000 of coverage for a monthly premium of $110. Level rate for 20 years. That's right. Guaranteed level rate for 20 years. If you're a smoker, we have great rates for you as well. At Term Busters, we specialize in policies of $500,000 and above. If you're looking for new or replacement term life insurance, call today for a quote at 800-558-9940. You're probably paying more than you should. Call 800-558-9940. Remember, 800-558-9940. Sample rate quotes based on preferred non-smoker underwriting. Exam required to qualify. That number for term busters, Christian owned and operated, is 800-558-9940. Is your husband or wife in a hospital or rehab center? Are people telling you that they are not eligible for Medicaid? 
The cost of a nursing home is $500 a day, $15,000 a month. Are you frightened about bankruptcy just to pay the medical and facility bills? Don't panic. Just call Connors & Sullivan, attorneys at law. These attorneys have been doing this for 40 years. They've helped hundreds of people just like you with the same thing that you could be going through. They'll tell you exactly what you're eligible for, and they'll also help you devise a plan to avoid such dire news as bankruptcy. Call Connors & Sullivan for a free initial consultation with a lawyer. That's 718-238-6500. With offices in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island, it's never too late. The time to act is now, so don't wait and call Connors & Sullivan today, 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. And trust me, folks, after you speak with them, you'll be glad that you did. Listen to AM 970 The Answer on Alexa. Tune in, iHeart, or odyssey.com. So what are we doing here, Sam? What kind of music are we playing here? BG Subway. Ah, <laughs> you know, you don't fool around. You, you, if you, when you get the chief of operations of AM nine seven, the answer, you know, you know that you're going to get some uh, some good bumper music. Well, who uh, better to talk to about the subway? You know, I, I'm going to um, just give you a little scenario. Um, last night, uh, we spoke about last night, but we'll talk a little bit more about last night. Uh, so some of the people I was with, I was like, you know, we're heading home. It's drizzling out. It's Broadway. There's cars everywhere. There's cats. Like you have a petty cat. It's like a, a madhouse. And, um, you know, I happen to have my car right there because the theater we went to was literally one block away from my regular parking garage. But I was like, you know, why don't, why don't you guys take the, uh, the, the, um, the subway? And it was like, I asked them, why don't you guys shoot up heroin? Uh, you know, oh, are you kidding me? Don't you read what's going on? And it's so dangerous and it's scary and it's et cetera. And so to set the record straight from someone who really knows what's going on, not what's just written in a, in a newspaper to sell newspapers, let's speak to Michael Kemper. He is the police officer who is in charge. He's far from an officer who is in charge of keeping our subway safe. How are you, sir? Arthur, good afternoon. Thanks for having me. No, I, at least I can't thank you enough for, for coming on because you, uh, I mean, you know, you are the chief of transit and, uh, you know, you're the one who knows what's going on in the subway. So you set the record straight to the people here listening on AM 970, The Answer. Look, Arthur, it's, it's been uh, it's been a busy month of June for us in the transit system. There's, there's been a few high-profile, uh, very unfortunate incidents that occurred. And, you know, fortunately, uh, quick arrests have been made in just about all of them, but they still occurred, and preventing them from occurring is our goal. And, you know, with that said, I heard what you just said about uh, mentioning taking the subway. We recognize the concerns that our riders have and um you know, that's the challenge we really have, because when you're looking at crime in the subway system, when I say challenge, I'm talking about the perception, the fear. Because when you're looking at um, crime, overall crime in the subway this year went down, um, you know, about 5.4 percent in overall crime. And that, that equates to 60 less victims this year than last year. And when you look at overall crime also and, and you compare it to like pre-pandemic, uh, we're below pre-pandemic, uh, I think a little over 6%, 6.5% versus 2019. 
So I, I, I think it's these high-profile incidents uh, that people hear. Um, I think when they come into the system, uh, what they see, the quality of life issues, uh, instill some uh, fear in them. Uh, and that's the challenge that we're up against. Well, let me ask you, because yeah. well, I, was... I can say to, to that, I mean, ridership in the transit system is at an all-time high since COVID. I mean, they're upwards of over uh, 4 million uh, riders a day. So Four, wait, mean, wait, hold on, hold on, Chief. We can't, we can't see here. Here's the thing. And, and I know you feel this way. I know the mayor feels this way. You know, one crime in the subway system is too many, okay? But you're telling me there's 4 million. There can't be 4 million people. It's got to be 4 million rides. So, like, in other words, if I ride twice in a day, that counts as two, correct? The, 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 the MTA releases these stats. That's 4 million paid. Paid, uh, okay. Riders. And just, okay. just, just, just to throw a number at that 4 million, just to, I mean, that's, that's a bigger number than the population of Los Angeles that uses the New York City subway system each day. No, I and get it. Million- I get it. Yeah. And, and, and then when you look at it, you know, we're talking to the chief of transit, the NYPD, Michael Kemper. When you look at it, I, I, and I know, like, one is too many. But let, hypothetically, if there's, let's just say, 100 felonies a day out of 4 million rides, I mean, you know, that's... Those numbers are, are not exactly devastating. Let me give you data. We're averaging just under six major index crimes um, in the subway system a day. That's our average for the year. And when you look at crime in totality in New York City, um, overall crime in the subway system accounts for 1.7% of all crime in the city. So, okay, let's go back. Because, Chief, you know, you and I uh, kind of speak a little bit of the same language. Just tell the listeners, you know, what are the index crimes that you're you're referring to? I'm, I'm talking about the major ones. Murder, rape, robbery, felony assault, uh, burglary, grand larceny. Okay. Uh, you know, those, those so are So you're telling me there's, there's six of those a day? We're averaging this year uh, just under six um, of those a day in the subway system. That's um, the largest subway system in uh, in America, one of the largest in the world. It's it's so expansive, four million plus riders a, a day use it, uh, and yeah, and I, and I'm telling you that subway crime accounts for or crime major crime in the subway system accounts for uh, 1.7% of all crime reported citywide. That's now, what I'm telling you. Well, obviously those. <laughs> That that puts things in perspective. That's the best way I could put it. Now I know there was some I, issue. I could sit here. I, I got to say this because I, I could sit here and, and give you this data. And listen, crime stats are important. But what does that mean to the people, such as the people you were out with last night, that don't feel comfortable or don't feel safe using the subway system? And that's the challenge. It's the perception, and it's what they see. And we're doing a lot to combat that. Well, one of the things I know you're doing is you guys added extra police officers. I know there was some issue last week between, I think, what you said or some spokesperson for the NYPD said that the New York Times, you, know, you guys reported a higher number of extra officers. The New York Times said it was only 80. I can answer that. Let's straighten it out. I, I know you can answer any question, so go for it, Mike. So we're, we're, uh, we're um, upwards of 1,000 additional cops are deployed into the subway system each day. All right. What happened was, is I spoke to members of the press about a week and a half ago, a week ago, 
And I told him, I just came back from Union Square where we deployed 80 cops into the subway system. Okay? That was just a one report at that one location, 80 cops. That wasn't the totality for the day. I understand. So that was the confusion. That was the confusion. So um, we, you know, we are upwards of 1,000 additional cops a day. There were 80 cops that reported at that time and that location. Obviously, there's multiple locations that uh, uh, we have additional cops reporting to. And at different times. So, so Chief, tell us. So you have these extra cops. Give a, show us a little bit how the sausage is made, if you may. Like, if you would, I should say. Uh, like, wh- how do you know where to deploy them? I mean, do you guys use, like, a comp stat type of formula and say, you know what, on the L train, you know, at these times, it seems like these are where the crimes are happening, or on the 6th train, or, or is it just a scatter shot because you really don't know where these crimes are going to happen? No, we, we know exactly, Arthur. That's a great question. And deployment is, is, is critical, uh, critical uh, to our success. Uh, we know exactly where the crimes are reported uh, almost instantaneously. As soon as the report is taken and inputted, um, we know where it are. We, we plot them uh, by location, if it's on a train, off a train, location in the system, time of day. And, of course, that's how uh, – that's primarily, um, in, in great percentage, that's how we deploy our personnel, where the crimes, where the conditions, and where people are asking for more cops. Absolutely. And so now, Chief Kemper, let's break it down to, to the next level. What are the police officers, the, the people on the line, what are they instructed by their supervisors? Are they supposed to split up? Are they supposed to be on the platforms? Are they supposed to be in the cars? Is one supposed to be one officer in one car and one in the very next car? How does that, how does the, the actual implementation of the visual of police officers work? Well, it's a, it's a layered deployment. So depending on um, where you work and what your assignment is for the day, it can be different. So, um, you know, Arthur and Mike uh, are in today and we're, we're partnered up. We could be assigned to either train patrol. We could be assigned to a platform patrol or we could be assigned to a turnstile uh, patrol or deployment, fixed post or walking around the mezzanine area. Listen, Arthur, I don't got to tell you, there are some subway stations in the city that are tremendous. I was out and about today. I uh, went out for a few hours, rode the trains uh, from Brooklyn into Manhattan. Um, I, I was in the uh, Times Square complex today. I don't got to tell you how big that is. Two cops in the Times Square complex is uh, like a needle in a haystack. Obviously, we need multiple cops at multiple different locations to serving multiple different functions. So, again, we focus primarily on trains, platforms, mezzanine areas, and turnstile enforcement, which is uh, uh, very, very important to us. Well, you know, we spend so much money in this city. You know that. I know that on so many things. The turnstile enforcement is, it would be expensive, but it's so simple. Just change the turnstiles. Just make them the, you know, the floor to ceiling gate kind of ones. And that you, it's impossible to jump them. And there, there it is. It's the problem solved. Yeah, well, let me talk about turnstile enforcement. And, and obviously, you know, the MCA is uh, in discussions on, on changing the turnstiles. Um, but our turnstile, our fair evasion enforcement is uh, up dramatically. We, we're up, uh, you know, in the first five and a half months of the year, uh, from January to now, we're up uh, over 23,000 uh, fair evasion uh, contacts. So when I say Good contact, for you. I mean, Congratulations. That's fantastic. Keep I, going. I mean, either an arrest or a summons. That's over 23,000 more this year uh, than last year. So, you know, this year we're... Uh, 
uh, you know, heavily focused on those turnstiles for so many reasons. We probably need a show in itself just to talk about the value that we're getting uh, from our turnstile presence. But, you know, I want to talk about enforcement in the subway systems. Listen, we're deployed, and these cops are working very hard. They do incredible work every single day. I see it. I know it. And it's working. You know, arrests in the subway system this year are up uh, almost 54 percent. All right, this year versus last year. That's uh, and when you look at it, we're talking big numbers. We're, again, in the first five and a half months of the year, we're uh, over 2,250, over 2,250 more arrests this year in the subway system alone versus just last year. Our summonses for uh, our tab summons, as we call them, that's for, uh, uh, you know, quality of life type stuff or uh, uh, violations of transit rules, up 58% versus last year. That 58% um, represents just under 30,000, 29,700 and change more tab summonses this year in the first five and a half months of the year. Uh, C summonses for quality of life up 64%. Um, weapons possession charges, gun arrests are up. Uh, possession of knife and cutting instruments, those arrests are up uh, 30 plus percent this year. So not only are we out there um, visibly and just our mere presence uh, does so much, but they're working hard, they're making arrests, they're enforcing laws, and they're working very, very hard. Uh, to instill war and order in that subway system. We're talking to Chief Michael Kemper. Uh, he is the chief of transit of the NYPD, which is such a important part of this city. Uh, chief, just, I mean, I know I'm stating the obvious, but it, it makes such a difference when, you know, I'm now I use my iPhone. I don't even carry a Metro card. But, I, you know, when I'm paying to go through the turnstile and two young kids kind of jump right over it and, and look at me like, ha-ha, it sets the whole tone for the vibe on the platform. In other words, like they're they're above the law and they could break the law and they could be criminals and they could do what they want and no one's going to stop them, and it, it emboldens yeah. them. Uh, so I I can't thank you enough for enforcing the turnstile stuff. Listen, the bad guys that are committing the crimes, you think they're paying their fare? Probably not. <laughs> how nice customer or rider to come into a system uh, and see a, a you know a, the tone, law and order tone when they walk in, right? If God forbid they need the police for something. And it could be something not even criminal. It could just be like, how do I get from point A to point B? The police officer is right there, right when you walk in. And also, it's the same location when you're walking out also. So, so let me yeah, ask you I mean, the power you guys have or you don't have. What about the straight-up homeless, the people who aren't really committing any crimes, but let's just say they're soiled, you know, they're clothes and they're physically totally unkempt and, you know, they smell and, and they're, you know, they're taking up a whole car. They're sleeping on a whole car. What what power do you guys have if they're really not doing anything wrong except sitting there? Well, listen, it's, it's that that's a challenge because being homeless is not a crime, Arthur. Would you agree? Yeah, of course. That's that's my point. However, you understand how in a morning rush hour, you know, you get one person like that sleeping across the, 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 the thing or just being totally inappropriate is the nicest way I could say it. Not that they're hurting anyone, but, you know, they're just messing up everyone's morning. What can you guys yeah, do? Listen, that's, that's a major um, part of the perception. People, hey, listen, they don't want to say it. It creates a um, fear. Uh, you know, and, and that's the perception issue, and we're aware of it. We, we, we do a lot with the homeless. We do a lot. We have, you know, thousands this year of um, 
referrals through uh, shelters. We, we have a, a, a task force. It's called the Subway Safety Task Force that works for the NYPD Transit Bureau. Uh, and their sole mission is to go out and find homeless and offer them uh, shelter. Right? I mean, we can't force them to take the shelter. A lot of them uh, take the shelter. We do end-of-line operations also in addition to that. You know, like at the end of the line, the train comes in to the last stop. Yep, I'll yep. Give you an example. Surf, Surf Avenue and Stairwell in Coney Island. Um, the MTA is uh, about to uh, clean the uh, subway, turn around, and go the other way. We get on the train, and we um, take everyone off the train. And if we come across someone that's homeless, we offer service. And, and listen, we're with partner agencies. We're with DHS. Uh, we're, and, we're, and we're Chief, with, I got to uh, just ask you this. And what if they say no? Say, sir, it's the end of the line. We're cleaning the train. You got to get off. They're like, nope. Well, if, if, if they have no uh, you know, business to be in the subway system, they're rejected. Listen, it's our belief that the subway system is not a homeless shelter. Okay? okay. It's not. Uh, but this is about compassion also. All right? And no one should be um, living in the subway system for so many reasons. It's unsafe. We're humans. Uh, and there are so many better options that we have for them such as shelter, whether it's private shelter or, or not. And we, uh, we we do have success. We do have success. We do it every single day. Uh, we're not doing it alone. We're doing it with partner agencies. Uh, and that, that work will continue. Well, I can't thank you enough, Chief. I know how busy you are, and uh, I want to thank Joe and our producer for, for tracking you down and, and harassing you. Um, I, I know you're doing the best you can. And look. I, I, want, we, I want to get something out, if I may. Go for it. Go for it. You know, I, I just threw out what the police department is doing, your cops, the greatest cops in the world. And I stand by that. Amazing human beings. I just said arrests are up 53.6% for the year. That represents 2,272 arrests, more versus last year. You're only talking about the subway now, right? In the subway system, right. that's all I'm okay. talking about. Okay, just making so sure. We are arresting people every single day for a myriad of, of, of offenses. We are arresting some of these people over and over and over again. These people are recidivists that are preying on our riders. Here's my question. Why are we arresting them over and over and over again? Two days ago, we arrested someone in Manhattan for a bias assault. You know how many prior arrests he had? 70. 7-0. He was a, on a parole warrant. And he had an active warrant, a bench warrant also. I could go on and on with example after example after example of people with dozens of arrests preying on our riders that are, are out. We arrest them. Every time we arrest these people, they're taking out of the subway system to process, right? But they're back. How do they get back? There's the question, Arthur. Well, and, and, and sadly, we all know the answer. So, all right, Chief, well, I, I don't... I I want your listeners to hear that because when they say, what is the police department doing? We're just one part of the justice system, albeit probably the most visible, maybe the most important. But when we make these arrests, we hand them off. There's so many different other uh, layers of the justice system. But your police department is out there working every single day to keep our riders safe. That's our goal. And, that, and that's why I always go out of my way to say hello or thank you or whatever, because I, I appreciate it. It's not an easy job. It is definitely not an easy job. 
NYPD Chief of Transit, Michael Kemper. Thank you so much, Mike. I really appreciate you finding the time. And, you know, this really helps the city. A lot of people listen to this show. It's all local folks. And, you know, they should hear the truth coming out of your mouth as opposed to some of the myths that are written around the city or you hear on other, uh, other stations. So thanks, Mike. And anytime you want to get the word out there, you know, you just know how to reach us. and you'll, You could have uh, as much time here as you need. Arthur, I appreciate it. And do me one favor. Say happy birthday to Joan for me. All right, we definitely will. Thank you so much. All right, that is the NYPD Chief of Transit, Michael Kemper. He's doing an amazing job. You can hear the enthusiasm in his voice. When we come back, let's talk a little bit about what he said about why people are being recidivists and just going right back into the system. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Is social media addictive? Uh, Dr. Marty McCary joins Kevin McCullough, yours truly, tonight at 7 to break down this and other important items of wellness. It's Wellness Wednesday brought to you by Balance of Nature, right here, starting at 7. Sign up today for an unforgettable experience in Israel this October. Dennis Prager and I are traveling back to the Holy Land on the Stand with Israel Tour with our trusted partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com and sign up today. This trip of a lifetime to Israel is one you won't want to miss. Register today before it's too late. Go to StandWithIsraelTour.com, StandWithIsraelTour.com, or call 855-565-5519. That's 855-565-5519. Want more AM970 The Answer? Take us on the go with our Listen Live feature at am970theanswer.com or download our AM970 The Answer app today. Just go to the iPhone App Store or Google Play Store and search AM970 The Answer. Hi, it's Arthur Idala, and graduation season is here, and many students finish college without a clear path towards a career. Do you know a graduate in this position? Well, tell them about Plaza College's accelerated program in court reporting, which allows them to speed their way into the legal field and make great money without going to law school. This is an in-demand, lucrative career with flexibility that more people need to know about. I speak to the district attorney's offices often, and they are in dire need of court reporters, courts schools, television stations, they're all seeking these professionals to record and caption everything from depositions, classes, live shows, and sporting events. With the national shortage, the National Court Reporters Association partnered with Plaza College to offer a free two-week virtual seminar that gives a glimpse into the world of court reporting and captioning. The program is called A to Z, and it's being offered free and can be completed from the convenience of your home. So sign up today by emailing info at plazacollege.edu. That's info at plazacollege.edu. Hi, this is Judge Kamins, a partner at Idala Bertuna and Kamins, and where Arthur Idala of the Arthur Idala Power Hour works at his 24-7 day job. In 2014, I retired from the bench to join ABK, which is a full-service preeminent boutique firm that has been helping New Yorkers when legal problems arise. ABK is uniquely qualified to assist New Yorkers who have a wide range of legal problems, from personal injury claims and civil litigation to criminal defense and trusts and estates. I personally work on appellate matters, attorney disciplinary matters, and complex legal issues with a dedicated group of attorneys who provide a team approach to each case. There is no legal problem too big or small for this talented and hardworking legal team. So when you think of the Idala Power Hour, also keep in mind ABK, the power legal firm. 
Hi, it's Arthur Idala, and I am in love with my shiny, bald, smooth head. Hemp Leaf products are made with all natural ingredients and essential oils to bring you comfort and relief and keep you looking young. Hemp Leaf is the next big thing in skin and body care. The whipped body butters and creams leave my skin feeling soft, smooth, hydrated, giving my aging skin the nourishment it needs to stay young and healthy. Their liquid black soap glides on, leaving my my skin soft, crisp, and clean. They also have this amazing muscle rub called Icy Pot. The guys at Hemp Leaf also gave me samples of a remarkable neuropathy cream called Helixer that I gave to Marianne, and she uses it on her heels. She said it's been nothing short of a miracle. Within minutes, it soothes her aching feet. Remember, they don't put anything on your body that you wouldn't put in it. Visit them at HempLeaf.com. That's Hemp, H-E-M-P-L-I-E-F.com. Mention the name Arthur at checkout, and you'll receive 10% off. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Gregory Floyd, host of Reaching Out, gets answers to the tough questions from people in the know. Our very special guest is Congresswoman Nidia Velasquez, was the first Puerto Rican woman elected to the Congress in 1992. Is there anything else the U.S. government can do to assist the people of Puerto Rico? Yes. The problem is that even when some public policies were enacted to help promote economic activity in Puerto Rico, the same way that Congress provided those incentives, the same way they took them away without providing anything else. And then the treatment that Puerto Rico gets. These are American citizens. They go to war. They die for our country. They fight for our freedoms. So the U.S. government has a responsibility. It's Reaching Out with Gregory Floyd at a new time, Saturday afternoon at 2.30 and again at 9 p.m. on AM 970, The Answer. Folks, have you heard that our morning host Joe Piscopo and Steve Perillo have put together a special, intimate trip to Rome and Sicily for our AM970 listeners? Do you want to go? It's simple. Just call 800-431-1515, 1-800-431-1515, and say, I want to go to Apollonia's hometown with Joey P. Please make it happen. How does that sound? You go to Rome for three nights, including a special, intimate performance by Joe Piscopo. Then you fly directly to Sicily, visiting Catania, Taromina, and Palermo. See medieval towns like Savoca and Forza de Agro in Messina. Why these towns? Because we're going to visit some of the iconic sites from the famous Godfather movie. How cool is that? Can't leave Sicily until you have a wine tasting in the shadow of Mount Etna. You'll do that too. And then on to Palermo for three more nights. Nine nights in all. The tour dates are October 18th to 28th. Be a part of this special event. Call Perillo Tours at 1-800-431-1515. 1-800-431-1515. Or go to perillotours.com. Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970. The Answer. Welcome back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour and uh, NYPD Chief of Transit, Mike Kemper. That was, I kept going on and on because I could literally talk to the guy all day. But, you know, the way he ended with, we're making all of these arrests and um, the guys keep coming back out on the streets. Look, that's the whole bail reform thing. And, and that's where they took these crimes, their non-bailable offenses. Um, and, uh, you know, the judges 
some of them, they're, they're, some of these charges, their hands are tied. They can't set bail. I mean, I spoke to a retired judge because I would tell the officers, I don't, I'm remanding him. Let him go to the appellate division and tell me that I'm wrong. I'm elected judge. You know, but that's, I don't think too many judges have that chutzpah. And while uh, that interview was going on, my father-in-law, the great Gerald Bertuna, sent me a, a video of, um, you know, and all these um, Walgreens and Dwayne Reeds or whatever they're called now, um, of, of they, they keep everything locked up, like the toothpaste and the razors and the razor blades. Well, someone t- has a video of a guy walking in wearing a mask, like a COVID mask, and a hat and a hoodie, so you can't really identify him well. But he's a bigger guy, so he's not a guy you're going to go tackle. Um, and he comes in with a blowtorch, a blowtorch, and he just blows the lock. Like whatever those little locks are, he just he just melts them. And he has one of those, like, recyclable shopping bags you take to the supermarket. And there's, like, three people videoing him. And he's brazenly, he did it to, like, four or five of these containers. And he's taking, like, you can't really tell if it's toothpaste, razors, whatever it is now that they're putting behind there. And he's doing it like like there's nothing wrong with it. After he, he uses the fire, the torch, to open up all of these compartments, he, um... He just put it in a bag like it's no big deal. And calm. There's no rush. He's not even right. And you could see there's at least one employee on the phone, presumably, with 911. And this dude is he's chilling. Oh, let me take some more toothpaste. We'll go to Colgate. We'll get some Crest. We'll, get, we'll take some Schick razors, the Hydro 5 blades. They I, I, Look, I, this happens in Brooklyn and Bay Ridge. I speak to the owners of the stores. They go, we called. The 6-8 is great. They come. They, cr- they lock them up. Three days later, they're back. Now I, they've never been back with a blowtorch, but these are the these are the bail laws. So norm, normally these people would be in prison at least for a little while until they get bailed out, or or they don't get bailed out until their next court appearance. So um, you know we just had elections yesterday. No huge surprises except maybe Charles Barron not getting reelected, if that's still the case, because there was going to be some recount situations. But you know. Albany has to you know, get with it, and the governor's got to get with it. The mayor and the city officials don't have any control over bail, just so you know. All right, so we have a couple of minutes left, and um, I'm going to take a little point of personal privilege um, because today is a, a very special day, obviously, in, in my life, but in, in many, many people's lives, if you extrapolate it out, uh, how many people that Marianne Piazza Idala has affected and Lori May, oh God, did I forget her middle her confirmation name? Oh no, Lori May. My mother's Veronica, but I don't know my sister's confirmation name. Uh-oh, it's not Rose, that's Julie. Okay, all right, I'm going to get myself in trouble. Anyway, it's my dad's birthday. <laughs> it's my dad's birthday. Lori's going to kill me because I know she's listening. Um, it's my dad's 85th birthday. It's not just any birthday. It's 85, and, um, you know, uh a lot of guys, you know, along the way, I hear them talking about their father. And they say, oh, my father's my best friend. And I've said this before. I don't know if I just said a couple of weeks ago on Father's Day or whatever. 
I, I would not describe my father as my best friend. In my mind, you know, my best friends are like Glenn and and who you know I and Joe Hassan, who I, you know, taught me how to drive a car, and we went to the, my first concert to go see Elvis Costello in the Forest Hills. Yeah, you go to the beach with, you get drunk with, you play on the. Sorry, I didn't quite drunk. You have a couple of beers with, you you know, you play in Rapid Pulse with. Like those those are my friends. Josh, you know, who I, I've gone to Italy with more times than I can count. Billy, my dad's not my best friend. Um, but he's, he's my best dad. And, you know, I, I told you guys, I went to court on, um, Saturday night until I was there till one in the morning. And I mentioned, I, I took on this case initially without even being paid because when the father called me on Saturday afternoon, he was referred from a friend who I knew I could hear it, his voice. Number one, how upset he was with his son who's 20 years old and, and like number two, how much he cared. And so when I went down to court and I met with him and we started talking and I mean, he said to me, he goes, he, the guy's probably younger than I am. I don't know, 45, something like that. He goes, I have no idea who my father is to this day. I don't know who my father is. And I'm trying so hard to be a great father. And, you know, in this world we live in where we're so worried about, you know, everyone's feelings and people's words and, and, I don't don't use this term and he you know I, I with the night of rapid pulse gig the manager comes over and says just want to let you know that bartender goes which was a pretty young woman goes by they and them okay you know I don't exactly know how to figure that part out so you know what I did I wound up avoiding that person I mean I'm that's the truth because I don't really know how to use a, a plural pronoun for an individual but we lose we lose touch with what's important and parenting cannot be minimized and obviously i know that but but hearing it from the client that i had on saturday night and they were here again yesterday and i spoke with them and you know the role a father has in both a son I, you know i would have said in the son's life but now that i have a daughter in both a son and, and a daughter's life i now that i have a daughter i appreciate much more the relationship between my sister and my father than i than i ever did and but my dad and I didn't always have a smooth road. Not at all. There were plenty of things that he did that to this day I'm, I question his judgment on. Well, actually not plenty. I'm, I'm going to withdraw plenty. A couple. Um, but maybe the, even then they all worked out. Um, but when he was making me do them, I was pissed. I was really upset. Like, I, going back to when I'm like 13, 14 years old. I was listening, you know, we have no air, to this day, my parents have no air conditioning in the house. You ever heard of that before? My father's like, ah, who needs it? Who needs it? Um, so the, all the doors and windows would be open. We live on a street in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. And on a Saturday afternoon, I could hear my friends. I could hear Glenn, Comedy, Colin, Kevin Burnett. They were all playing football, sewer to sewer. I'm dying to go out there. He has me sitting at a table, first with Diana Mancini, then with Mario Costantino, doing Italian lessons, Italian verbs. And sentences and like we'd be in the car and he'd have these Berlitz tapes on and I'm like, what is he? Why is he torturing me until and then he sent me to Florence when I was 16. I was terrified to go. I didn't speak the language. I didn't know where I was going. There was no Internet, no cell phone, no nothing. I was I was literally sending telegrams, going to the post office and sending telegrams, telling them I arrived safely. I, when he sent, put me on that plane and sent me there, I didn't know if he should have a heart attack, a stroke. Well, I couldn't stand him. I was hysterically crying on my way to Florence at 16 years old. You know when I cried again? When I landed back in New York and hugged him and kissed him, 
I said, I want an incredible experience. Thank you. Thank you. My mother wasn't going to let me do it. She was crying at the airport when I left. He had the chutzpah, the courage to take the risk of sending me to a foreign place. And obviously he had some degree in confidence in my ability to uh, conduct myself. You know, we think of it now. My nephew Nicholas goes to Italy. He leaves the airport here at JFK at one time, 12 hours later, he's FaceTiming his mother. Oh, mom, here's where I am. Here's where I'm staying. This, it wasn't like that in 1984. So he did things that, um, that I, you know, I wasn't happy he did at the time. But boy, am I so happy. Now, you know what I wish, I wish he did? Honestly, I wish he rode me harder to uh, play the piano. Because there was a time I was playing the piano really well. And then it was like, is it going to be piano or Italian? Italian or piano? And I guess overall, I'm happy I have the Italian language skills because when I go over there, it is a whole other level. Like everyone wants to go with me because I can communicate. But, you know, as a father, he he made the tough decisions that I don't think we make anymore. And I try. I mean, Arthur's six. Luca, you know say My son, Luca, who's 16, he's... He's just such a good kid. He's so compliant. He doesn't. He's a rule follower. He comes home. He studies right away. He really doesn't need much of an adjustment. Arthur's going to need. Arthur's a little bit more of a live wire, my six-year-old, and I can only hope that I rise to the occasion the way my father did and his father did. You know, my grandfather and I, Artie Idala, we were very close, very close till the day he died. We lived together for a couple of years. Um, According to uh, urban legend, my father was a handful. I think he left the house at four or five years old in on Bureau Avenue, Bureau Arms, 2860 Bureau Avenue in, in the Bronx, in Pelham Bay. I think he went on the subway, and he took the, he took the subway to his, I don't know, my, my aunt's house, my Aunt Nancy's house. Uh, he was, you know, he really uh, was a little bit of a handful. But his father made the tough decisions of taking him out of the regular public school and putting him in Fordham Prep with the priest back in the day. We're talking about now in the 40s and the 50s where they would, you know, hit, you over, uh, hit your knuckles with the ruler and things like that, where the Irish guys and the Italian guys were fighting under the L. My father graduated Fordham Prep in, a, in the, the I think probably 16-millimeter movies we have. He's, re- he's wearing a white suit. And with his jet black hair, and he's got a black eye. He's got a black eye in his graduation pictures. I'm like, Dad, what the, What happened? He's like, yeah, Jimmy McGillicuddy. He didn't make it to graduation. They would fight underneath the, the subway. Like, it's an era gone by. They used to have empty lots that they used to play in or whatever. But he, you know, he's the first in his family to go to graduate high school, then college, which was unheard of. And then forget about it. In the neighborhood he grew up in, nobody went to law school. He went to law school, and his friend Richie Sia went to medical school. But Richie Sia's father was already a doctor. My grandfather, to his credit, I mean, he only went to eighth grade. He was, after that, was a self-made man. So, and then he, he did ROTC when he was in college. So he went into, um, uh, after law school, I think he had to go to um, basic training. But then they let him, it was either after college or law school, he had to go to basic training. But then they let him go out. And he was a lawyer for a while. And then he got married. And then uh, I, it was before I was born, he comes home from, from the DA's office. There's a letter saying, okay, it's, now you got to do your ROTC. This is during the Vietnam War, 1966. And he goes back now. Now he's the oldest guy in the um, basic training class. He comes out first of his class, second lieutenant. He winds up being the captain of Fort Hamilton Army Base. He was the captain of finance. When they audited his financial records, they for between Fort Hamilton and Fort Wadsworth. He was in charge of the finance for both army bases. It was perfect to the penny. To the penny. 
and uh, his time in the district attorney's office under Frank Hogan uh, uh, was was spectacular. It was when you were the Homicide Bureau under Frank Hogan. You were the creme de la creme. You were the, the equivalent to the top U.S. attorneys. He went on to a brilliant uh, career in private practice. But overall, he kept the family together, always. The man is principled, beyond principled. And all of that bleeds. It bleeds into me and my sister and those around us. To Doug Jabara, who's always in our house, to, 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 and to all of us. And I try to do that. You know, I, sometimes there's complaints that I'm not home enough. But Arthur and Ariana and Luca, you know, they see me leave the house in the morning with a suit and a tie. And, and they know I'm going to work. Arthur saw me leaving on a Saturday night. He's like, Daddy, you have to go to work now? I'm like, yeah, Arthur, you know, you like the, the nice places we go to. And we just ate a beautiful meal at a restaurant. Well, this is what Daddy's got to do. And I remember my dad. I remember my dad leaving to try the Attica trials. And he left for, I don't know, six weeks, eight weeks. I was in Brooklyn. He was in Buffalo. It was a miserable time. Um, so in addition to this being a tribute to my father, it's a tribute to all fathers and how important that role is. And of obviously how important motherhood is. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of problems in this world and a lot of them would be solved by responsible parenting. And if you look at Lewis and Marianne Idala and the love affair that they have had, they're going to be married 60 years this February 15th. They've been together 64 years, boyfriend and girlfriend. Those things are unheard of uh, in today. I mean, not unheard of, but they're very rare. So we are going to go out. Our immediate family is going to go out tonight. And we're going to go to the Columbus Citizens Foundation where we're treated like family. And we're going to honor a man where, uh, you know, I'm not going to go overboard and say they broke the mold or he's the best ever or whatever. But in terms of lawyering, he's spectacular. In terms of fathering, He's off the charts. He's a role model in, in both his personal life and his professional life. And if you think about what you would want to be for yourself, that's what you want your legacy to be. You want to be a role model for others in your professional life and in your personal life. If you could achieve that, as my father, Louis R. I. Dollar, did at 85 years old, then you did pretty good. So thank you for listening to this tribute to my dad. I didn't shed a tear. He's, he's, there's, as I sit at my desk, there's two pictures of him within arm's length of me staring me down to make sure I always do the right thing. And then there's a courtroom sketch of me to the left. And, of course, I got an 8 by 10 of my mother across the room staring me down. So between the two of them, we've done all right. Padre Lou, happy birthday. We're going to have a wonderful, wonderful time tonight and then another one tomorrow night. Have a great time. Have a great night, folks. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Come the day you're mine. I'm going to teach you to fly. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored by Idala Bertuna and Cammons, PC. The preceding hour of programming was pre recorded. Portions of the Arthur Idala Power Hour, sponsored by Hempleaf. We won't put anything on your body that you wouldn't put in your body. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.